So the title of my message this morning, as you saw um, on the screen, is Treeology. So it's a word that I made up, and it's a combination of the word tree plus theology. So we're going to be talking about the theology of the tree. And the general theme for this weekend is the times we live in. So let's go to Galatians chapter 3. Again, um, this would be a good time for you to go get your Bibles. Um Galatians chapter 3. We're going to be searching through the scriptures here and there, and it's going to be very difficult to follow if you're not actually um, opening up your Bible with me. So I would invite you to um, go get your Bibles and open up to Galatians chapter 3 with me. And it's a very interesting verse, probably a strange verse for many of you, and maybe a little bit difficult to understand because there's a lot of strange things are happening here in this verse. So we're going to be reading two verses, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 and 14. Galatians is in the New Testament, right after 2 Corinthians, right before Ephesians. And we're, again, we're looking at Galatians chapter 3 and verse 13. All right, Galatians chapter 3, verse 13 says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of of the law. Now let's pause here for a moment. You know, we as Seventh-day Adventists, this makes us a little bit uncomfortable. When we when we're talking about the law, the law is a blessing for us and law is a good thing, but here it talks about the curse of the law. So let's keep reading. Having become a what for us? Jesus has become a curse for us. Again, let's pause here. Because this is very strange. When we're thinking about Jesus, Jesus is supposed to be a blessing. Jesus is always a blessing, but rather it doesn't say that Jesus has become a blessing for us. It says that Jesus has become a what for us? He has become a curse for us. And what's the basis for Paul saying this? For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. What in the world does this mean? You know, if you go up um, on a tree, you know, if you go out on to your, your backyard and you, you start climbing on a tree and you hang on a tree, does that mean that you're cursed? What is the background of this? So verse 14, why was why has Jesus become a curse? So that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the spirit through faith. So let's follow the logic here for a moment. So Paul says that Jesus has become a what? He has become a curse. And how do we know that? Because Jesus was hanging on a tree. Why did Jesus become a curse? So that we could be blessed. So, so that's the logic that we're following here. So Keep your bookmarks in Galatians 3, and we're going to go to Deuteronomy 21. Deuteronomy is the fifth book in the, in the Bible. Deuteronomy um, is the fifth book right before Joshua, right after Numbers. Deuteronomy chapter 21 and verse 22 and 23. And it gives us the reason why someone who is hanging on a tree is cursed by God. Right, Deuteronomy 21, verse 22 and 23, it actually gives us the law of capital punishment in the Old Testament. It says here, if a man has committed a sin deserving of death and he is put to death and you hang him on a tree, 
His body shall not remain overnight on the tree, but you shall surely bury him that day, so that you do not do what to the land? That you do not defile the land. Now keep keep that concept in your mind because we're going to come back to that. So that you do not defile the land which the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. For he who is hanged is cursed of God. Okay, so this is where Paul is getting the idea from. He says, anyone who hangs on a tree is cursed of God. Where does he get that idea from? He gets it from Deuteronomy chapter 21, 22, and 23. And what is what is being said here? If somebody is has done something terrible, let's say there's a murderer, and they would have, you know, they would perform capital punishment. And the rule is that you're not supposed to hang someone overnight. Why? Because the person that is hanging on it, you know, if they do that, they will defile or curse the land. Why? Because somebody that's hanging on a tree is cursed. Again, it, 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 it's giving you the background of why Paul is saying that, but still things are very, very unclear. Why is someone that is hanging on a tree is cursed? We find the answer in Genesis chapter 3. Let's go to Genesis 2, actually. Um, and then we'll go to Genesis 3. Genesis chapter 2. And uh, verse 16. Now, God creates Adam and Eve. No, at this point, God has created only Adam at this point. And it's, it says here, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. Okay. How do you eat? It says, you freely eat. Okay. But... Of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat. For in the day you eat of it, you shall surely, what happens? You shall surely die. Now, if you go to, to the Middle East, and especially in, in ancient Middle East, one of the key symbols for a king was a tree. So you see that in the story of Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar has a dream, and what does he see in the dream? He sees a huge tree. He sees a ginormous tree, and what does that tree represent? It represents himself, the king Nebuchadnezzar. Now, God is giving all of the trees, and he says, there is one tree that you should not eat of. And when you eat from that tree, what you're basically saying is, I choose a different ruler than God. That's basically the, the message of eating from the tree. That's, that's, the, that's the symbolism of eating or choosing that tree, if you will. Now, of course, the story goes that Adam and Eve, they eat from that tree. And what does God say to Adam and Eve? So let's go to Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. And it's going to give us the reason why someone that is hanging on a tree is cursed. So Adam and Eve eat from that tree. So Genesis chapter 3 and verse 17. It says, Then to Adam God said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the what? From the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the what? 
Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. So, so Paul is getting the idea of the curse of the tree from Deuteronomy. And Deuteronomy gets from the idea of the curse of the tree actually from Genesis 3.17. What does God say to Adam? You have eaten from the tree. And what happens? Because you have eaten from the tree, he, God doesn't say you are cursed. He says, cursed is the what? The ground is now cursed. Okay, that's a strange logic. But, but, but stay with me for a moment. Why would the ground be cursed when Adam ate from the tree? The word man in Hebrew is is a word that all of you know. Even the youngest among you probably know this. Even a three-year-old knows the Hebrew word for man. And it's the word Adam. Okay. Now, the word Adam comes from the word ground, which is Adama. So Adam literally just means ground person. That's what Adam basically means. Adama is ground, and Adam is man, and man is from the ground, so God just names him, that's Adam, that's a, that's a ground person. So now that Adam has chosen a different ruler than God, by eating from the tree, what happens? The source of Adam, or the place that Adam comes from, which is the ground, is now cursed. And what Deuteronomy is saying is, if you now, as, as Adam associated himself to the tree in disobedience, what happened? A curse came upon humanity. A curse came upon this world. Now, what Deuteronomy is saying is, now, if you associate yourself with a ruler other than God, and the symbolism behind that is by hanging on a tree, that is a symbolism of curse. You're associating yourself with this cursed symbol, if you will. So let's, let's make this a little bit easier. So now that Adam has eaten from the tree, what happens to him? He, what, does, what, what, what is the emotion that they experience? They feel shame. Why do they feel shameful? Right after eating from the tree, Adam looks down and he recognizes that he's naked. Eve looks down and she recognizes that she's naked and her husband is naked. You know, one of the, the, the more common um, nightmares that I, that I had at growing up, the, the nightmare that I, that I have these days is, you know, I'm standing in front of my church and I don't have a sermon to preach. That, that's the, the more common nightmare that I have these days. But when I was growing up, the most, one of the more common nightmares that I used to have was, you know, I would pack up my backpack and I would go to school and I would recognize, and I would be, you know, having a good time at school. And I would all of a sudden realize, I looked down, I'm not wearing my pants. I forgot to wear my pants going to school. That's an embarrassing thing. And that's the emotion that Adam and Eve is experiencing. 
because of eating from the tree. Now, as human beings commit that sin, the world gets deeper and deeper and deeper into sin, and the world gets into a greater and greater mess. And God decides, you know what? I think I should start over again. I should press a reset button on humanity because, you know, once if we continue on this pattern, nobody's going to be saved. So what does God do? God sends a flood and God kind of, in a sense, he presses the reset button and Noah, he go, he, you know, he goes in the ark and his family comes out. What's the first sin that human, that human beings commit after that? What's the first terrible thing that happens after coming out of the ark? After God presets a, you know, presses the reset button. The first thing, terrible thing that happens is Noah eats from the fruit of the tree. And what happens to him? He becomes naked. We saw that before, right? Adam and Eve, they eat from the fruit of the tree, and they become naked. Likewise, Noah, what does he do? He eats from the fruit of the tree. Um, rather, in that case, he, he, he drinks wine from the grape that comes from the grapevine. And what happens to him? He becomes naked, and he experiences shame. So what does this have to have anything to do with the times that we live in? Now, what I'm going to, to argue in my sermon today is that Jesus takes upon every curse of the humanity, and what he does is he turns it into a blessing. Let's see how he does that. Okay. So let's come back to Genesis chapter 3 now, and let's look at at the curse that he pronounces to Adam. Genesis chapter 3, verse 17 to 19. Okay. It says, Then to Adam Jesus said, Because you have heeded the voice of your wife and have eaten from the tree of which I commanded you, saying, You shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground for your sake. In toil you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Both thorns and thistles it shall bring forth for you, and you shall eat what? You shall eat the herb of the field. In the sweat of your face you shall eat what? You shall eat bread. Till you return to the what? Till you return to the ground, for out of it you were taken, for dust you are, and to dust you shall return. Now, there are several things that God says to Adam. He says, you're going to return to the ground. That means you're going to die. He says, you're going to eat bread with, with sweat on your face. He says that the earth is going to give you thorns and thistles. Now, before sin, none of those things happened. You know, Adam would be just walking by, and he could just just pick any fruit that he wanted and he could eat from it. He did not have to sweat for, 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 for food. He did not have to suffer. There was no, no thorns or thistles that were coming out of the ground. And life was pleasant. Now that sin has come into the world, now you have to take SATs. You have to take ACTs. Now there's coronavirus. This morning, I just got a call from a member that her father is, is headed to the hospital 
because of coronavirus and he's having a hard time breathing. Because of sin that comes into this world, now we have to deal with these things. So keep your bookmark here and let's go to Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22. Now, Luke chapter 22, this is the night before Jesus dies. And let's see what happens before uh, the night before Jesus dies. Luke chapter 22, verse 39. If anyone of you has the King James Version or the New King James Version, the title of that section probably says, The Prayer in the Where? The Prayer in the Garden. Keep that in mind. Now, Jesus is now praying in the garden. And what? let's see what happens to him. Verse 44. And being in what? Being in agony, Jesus prayed more earnestly. Then what happens to him? Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. What does this have to do with Genesis? Now, what you're going to see is that there's a lot of similarities, a lot of parallels between the curse of Adam and what is happening here with Jesus. Where is Jesus at? He's at the garden. Where did Adam and Eve receive the word of God? They were in a garden. What did Jesus eat that night? Just a few verses earlier, Jesus has the last supper with his disciples. And what do they have? They have bread and wine. Bread and grape juice. And what happens to Jesus? Jesus is praying. And before he prays, he tells the disciples, do not fall into temptation. In Genesis... Adam and Eve, they have fallen into temptation. In Genesis, Jesus said that you will you that, that in the sweat of your face you will eat bread. Jesus ate bread that night, and what happens? In verse 44, and being in agony, Jesus prayed more earnestly that his sweat became like great drops of blood. In Genesis, Jesus told Adam, you are going to return to the ground. In Luke, what happens to the sweat? The sweat falls down to the ground. What's happening in Luke is that Jesus is taking upon the curse that was supposed to be meant for Adam. What was supposed to be meant for humanity, Jesus is taking the curse upon himself. But in a greater degree. Now, we see this happening in in greater detail in the Gospel of John. I'm going to share my screen here with you. And um, Pastor Tim, if you can make me host, um, co-host and allow me to share my screen, please. Thank you. Let's go to John chapter 18. And we're going to compare John 18 
and 19 with Genesis chapter 3, because there are so many similarities that are happening here. And what you're going to see is that when Jesus is crucified on the cross, he takes upon the curse of humanity upon himself, and he turns that into a tremendous blessing. And let's see how he does that. So it says, when Jesus had spoken these words, Jesus went out with his disciples over the brook Kidron, where there was a what? A garden. Then Judas, having received a detachment of troops and officers from the chief priests and Pharisees, came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. What happens in Genesis 3.18? God drove out the man, Adam, and at the east of the Garden of Eden, he placed a cherubim and a flaming sword that turned away turned every way to guard the way to the tree of life. So you see that this is happening in the in 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 arguably in a same location if you will. Both are happening in a garden. And both involve guardians that are holding weapons and flames if you will. Let that's a very small similarity, but what we're going to see is there are similarities, similarities after similarities. Okay, John chapter 19, verse 2. And the soldiers twisted a crown of what? Crown of thorns and put it on his head. What did God say to Adam? Genesis 3, 18. Thorns and thistles, the ground shall bring forth for you, I don't know if there's any one of you who do who does gardening. We have a very small garden in our backyard, and you know sometimes it would the land would give out thistles, and it's a terrible thing. But it's not, you know, it doesn't kill me or anything. You know, it doesn't give me excruciating pain or anything. But whereas my my land gives me some thistles and some pains, Jesus now puts the, the a crown of thorns on his head, and it is being crushed into his head. So whatever curse that humanity is experiencing, Jesus is taking that curse upon himself, and it's a million times more, more curseful or painful, if you will. Let's keep reading. John chapter 19, verse 5. Pilate says to the people who have gathered to kill Jesus, Pilate says, Behold, the man. Genesis 3.22, then the Lord God said, behold, the man. John 19 verse 7, the Jews answered him, we have a law and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the son of God. Genesis 3.22, God is speaking. Then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us. Man has become like God. John 19 verse 8 says, when Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. Genesis 3.10, and, and, and he said, I heard the sound of you in the garden, and I was afraid. John 19.9, Pilate said to Jesus, where are you from? Genesis 3.9, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, where are you? John 19, 23, when the soldiers had crucified Jesus, they took his garments and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier, also his tunic. Genesis 3, 21, and the Lord God made for Adam and for his wife garments of skins and clothed them. John 19, 29, a jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge 
full of the sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Genesis 3.18, and you shall eat the herbs of the field. Hyssop is considered to be one is a kind of herb. Genesis 19, verse 30, when Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Genesis 2, 2, and on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. So you see what John is doing here. He's He's taking the story of Genesis 3, he's taking the curse of Genesis 3, and he's transferring it upon Jesus that is on the cross. Jesus is taking every single curse that humanity was to experience, and he was taking it upon himself as he is going upon the cross. Adam, when she ate from the tree of the fruit, of the fruit of the tree, what happens to him? He becomes naked. When Noah eats from the fruit of the tree, what happens to him? He becomes naked. And as Jesus ascends upon this tree, or this cross rather, was his condition, he had become naked. He takes upon the shame of humanity. He takes upon every curse of humanity, and he becomes completely naked, completely vulnerable to every pain and every curse. And there he is, having become a curse for you and me. John 19, verse 34, but one of his soldiers pierced his side with a spear and immediately Blood and water came out. Now, blood and water in the book of John represents life. In John 4, 14, it says, you know, when if you eat of this water, if, when you, if you drink this water, that you have life. In John chapter 6, it talks about the blood giving life. Now, in Genesis 2, verse 21, what happened? So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man, and while he slept, took one of his ribs and closed up its place with flesh. Now, when Jesus dies, his side is pierced, and life comes out of it. When Adam is put to sleep, what happens? God pierces his side, takes one of his ribs, and what does God create out of that rib? He creates Eve. And the word Eve literally means life. John 20, verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark. Genesis 1, 2. The earth was without form and void and darkness was on the face of the deep. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. So the evening and the morning were the first day. So again and again, there's this pattern that John wants us to see. He's wanting us to see that Jesus is, he's taking the curse, he's taking it upon himself, and what he's doing, he's reversing the curse on the tree. Let's look at one more verse in John. John 20, verse 22. And when Jesus had said this, he appeared to the disciples after his resurrection. And what does he do? What's the first thing that he does to the disciples? He, he, he breathes on them and says to them, receive the Holy Spirit. Does this ring a bell? Genesis 2, 7. Then the Lord God formed the man of the dust from the ground. And what does he do? He breathes into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living 
creature. So you don't have to remember all the details here, but the point that I'm trying to, 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 to drive home is that when Jesus was dying, he takes every curseful or painful experience of humanity upon himself. And this tree was supposed to be a tree of curse. Because every man who hangs on a tree, what happens to him? He is cursed. But this tree of curse now becomes a what? It becomes a tree that gives life. The tree of death becomes a tree of blessing, a tree of life. Now let's go to Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22. Revelation chapter 22 and verse 1 and 2. It says, and he showed me a pure river of water of life. So let me give you a little background of what's happening here. John is seeing heaven. Such a beautiful scene that he sees. And he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding from the throne of God and of the Lamb. In the middle of its street and on either side of the river was the what? Was the tree of life. Which bore 12 fruits, each tree yielding its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. Now, let me, I want you to look at verse 2 again. And there's something very strange in verse 2. I want you to look at verse 2 and tell me what is something that is very strange in verse 2. I'll read it again. In the middle of its street, on either side of the river was the tree of life. There's something strange there. Anybody? Anybody noticed what's strange? Anyone? Okay, Nathan. Oh, there you go. Nathan writes, either side is suggesting there are two of them. Okay, But how many tree of life is there? It says, it doesn't say the trees of life. It says the tree of life. Then how can there be one tree, but it's on either side? Has anyone thought about that? There's one tree. But this tree is on either side. Now, in the Garden of Eden, if you go to the center of the Garden of Eden, after God created created, um, the Garden of Eden, in the center, there were two trees. There was a tree of life and the tree of the garden, um, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So Johanna Yoon writes, the river flows through the center of the tree. So I want to share my screen just one more time. 
And let's look at um, early writings, page 17. So Ellen White is taken, she, she, she's taken to heaven in a vision. And this is what she sees in heaven. Here we saw the tree of life and the throne of God. Out of the throne came a pure river of water. And on either side of the river was the tree of life. That's what, that's what Revelation says. On one side of the river was a trunk of a tree and a, tr and a trunk on the other side of the river, both of pure, transparent gold. At first, I thought I saw two trees. I looked again and saw that they were united at the top into one tree. So it was the tree on, of life on either side of the river of life. Its branches bowed to the places where we stood and the fruit was glorious. It looked like gold mixed with silver. So what does she see here? There is one tree, like Revelation says, but the tree is on either side. Why? Because there are two trunks that go up and they become one tree. I can't prove this, but, but, but let me make this point. The tree of the knowledge of good and evil was a tree of a curse. It was a tree that brought curse upon humanity. And Jesus symbol, symbolically, he takes the, the fate of that, that was brought by the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now, Jesus takes the tree of curse and death, and what does he transform it into? He transforms it into a tree of blessing and a tree of life. So could it be that God takes the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that was in, in the Garden of Eden, he takes it up to heaven, and where once it was a tree that gave death, now God has transformed it into a tree that gives life. Meeting up together. A tree that gives life now gives, I'm sorry, the tree that gives, gave death now gives life. So what does this have to do with the times we live in? We lived a year that felt like a curse. It seemed like there was nothing good coming out of this year. But what Jesus does on the curse on the tree is that he takes upon every pain, every curse that the world has ever experienced. And what does he make out of it? He makes blessing out of it. Let's wrap up with Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Romans chapter 8 and verse 28. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. He makes how many things work for, for good? He makes all things work for good. And what does that include? That includes even our sinful past. That includes even the year 2020. That includes the that includes COVID-19. That includes you being unemployed. That includes you being sick or whatever it was that you experienced in the past year. God has the power 
to take the worst of your experience and transform it into the tree of life. He has the power to transform it into the greatest blessing of your life. And what we have to do is now we have to be associated with that tree. We have to connect ourselves to that tree, which is the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus says, take up your cross daily and follow me. In order for our curses to become blessing, now we have to take upon the cross. The cross, which was once a tree of death, which has become a tree of life, we have to take it upon ourselves for our curses to become a blessing. How do we do that? Our attention should be given to the cross on a daily basis. And, 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 and if, if you forget anything, I want to encourage each and every one of you. Every single day, let, don't let a single day go by without thinking about the tree. Or rather, the cross of Jesus Christ. I'll repeat that again. Forget everything I said. Don't forget this. Don't let a single day go by where you do not think about the cross of Jesus Christ. Now, this afternoon, we're going to be thinking about the cross a little bit more. And we're going to be looking at how that gives us power for us today, living in these times. But please, 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 please. If we want to experience transformation in our life, if we want to have power in our life, if we want to take the curse, the curseful experiences of our lives and make it into a blessing, if we want to take the curses of, of the previous generation and make it into a blessing for our future generation, what we have to do is we have to associate ourselves and identify ourselves with the cross of Jesus Christ. There is no other way. And when we once and when we do so, this cross is going to bring to our lives a, an, an, just an incredible blessing. A, a blessing that is beyond all our imagination. So every day, Keep your mind on the cross, at least even for five minutes, or, or at least for a moment. Remember that Jesus died on the cross for you and me, that he took upon your curse. He took, he took upon your pain upon himself. Why? So that he can turn that into a blessing. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus who is on the cross. Jesus says, if I be lifted up, I will draw all men to myself. And Hebrews 12 verse 2 talks about us keeping our eyes on Jesus, who is the, the author and, and perfecter of our faith. And what did he do? He endured the cross. He says, keep our eyes on Jesus, who is on the cross. So please, I urge you 
every day. Think of the cross. Do not let a single day go by without doing that.